Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week, I'm joined here by Dwayne. Sebastian, what's going on? What's going on in your week of soccer? uh, Well, I'm not in my house, for one. Uh, That's number one. I'm actually recording uh, from Middletown Village um, as we await for our new turf tank to arrive. so we uh, we have a robot that will paint our lines. Um, so it's been a little bit more of a hassle than that originally anticipated with some delivery, some issues, some replacement of things. Uh, but here we are. Uh, it's still the priority uh, on our list. So whether I'm at the field or um, on the moon or in Colorado or wherever else I might be, I'm going to be able to find a way to record the podcast on a, on a Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah, that turf tank, man, it's a great investment, but uh, seeing the man hours you have to put in and all the extracurricular things you have to put in around it. Uh, I see why I see why the price point is where it's at. <laughs> no, I mean, ultimately, once once, you know, last week I was able to line a field. Um, with the uh, loaner robot that we got, and uh, it was I was able to line a field in 20 minutes. So in the 30 minute window, I was able to get a field line between setup and breakdown and everything else. So um, ultimately, that helps a lot, and uh, and that was that was really good. So I was able to I was able to do that. Yeah, hopefully, um, so, I'll, hopefully I'll have some lines to play uh, tonight. No, you do. You you will. You 100% will. Um, the, the lines are still here. That's the, also the upside is that the lines from last week that we painted are still here. So that, that helps. Um, so how's, uh, how is, how's Rex going? Because that started. Uh, so we're about to start week three of our Rex season. So how, how is that going so far? Yeah, we're, we're in week three. Uh, games are good. Um, things are running smoothly. And, uh, tonight is actually the first night of our pre-rep and pre-juniors program, uh, which, uh, takes the, it challenges the kids that want the challenge to get them uh, to help them with their development and get them where they want to be if they ultimately want to join the travel side of things. So um, Rex going good. Uh, we're getting ready for starting to think about 3v3 and, you know, picture day and all those types of things. So everybody's enjoying it, having fun, and you know, we're running smoothly. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, so we, we have uh, – we, we're well underway. We are – almost past that first two weeks season two weeks of uh, the season so that's that's always my if I can get through the end of September going into the beginning of October um, then things kind of settle in so it, we're, we're in a much better spot all right we're back on the 91st minute with uh, our interviewer our, our interviewee today is uh, somebody that I got to know over the last year somebody who as soon as uh, I started working with her at Odessa High School. Uh, automatically said, "Hey, listen. By the way, uh, we have the diamonds coming up over the summer, so I want to make sure that uh, you're at our games." Uh, so she said, "Yep, that's fine. Just let me know, and we'll 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 sort it out." So Lydia Beckman is here with us today, and Lydia is the athletic trainer for Odessa High School, um, and also was our athletic trainer for the uh, Delaware Union Diamonds uh, for our home games. Lydia, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so Lydia, you're, we're going to, we're going to discuss, we're going to discuss nutrition, um, with you and, um, 
and touch a little bit on mental health and and how those two those two things relate. Uh, but before that, I want to I want to ask you why why did you choose the career of athletic training? I'm always I'm always very curious because I think it's a fascinating career that I um, that at one point in my life I thought that would have been a cool avenue if I was any good at anatomy or any of that kind <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> Uh, and I realized um, I wasn't very good at that. So I figured I should let other people do that stuff instead of me. Right. Right. Um, I feel like when I, when I think of other athletic trainers or I see athletic trainers, it's always like, they're a weird person and like, not in a bad way or anything like that, but it's just like, we're weird. You have to be weird to be an athletic trainer. Um, when I was a freshman in high school, I actually was doing early special ed as my like pathway, but, um, I got injured playing field hockey and spent some time with my high school athletic trainer. So sophomore year, I switched to allied health pathway and we did like some sports medicine, med term, med tech, and kind of got our hands and feet in the water a little bit. And I was just like, this is a way I can stay involved with sports for the rest of my life. Um, Cause I know I'm not gonna be able to play them forever. So, and I think the biggest thing for me is just like, helping the athletes stay on the field or get back on the field. It's like super rewarding, like seeing them perform their best and like overcoming an injury or something like that. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And it's, I'm always, I'm always fascinated by athletic trainers mostly because, and, and obviously at Odessa, I've seen you set up all of your equipment and everything else. And it's one of those things where like, you're like, you're so like, it's, it's exciting to, to watch athletic trainers get set up and be ready to go. But at the same time, it's almost like one of the things that like you're getting set up, but you hope to not be used to a certain extent. Right. I'm is, always that, saying, is, that a, is that a weird feeling? Yeah. I always say it's a great day when I don't have to do my job. Like, obviously I I'm there if needed, but I would much rather just watch and not have anyone actually get hurt or need me. But yeah, especially with like, now that I have all my equipment, I get a table set up, bring out the crutches. And I'm just like, every time I bring them out, I'm like, hope I don't need these, bring out the AED, hope we don't need this. Um, but yeah. Um, so, so we, um, so you're working at Odessa High School with, which is, which this year has a sophomore class and a freshman class. So you're, you're dealing with really young high school player or high school student athletes, and you're dealing with, with players that are now competing against varsity level athletes. And you and I had this, this conversation briefly a couple uh, last week, I think, or a week before where physically at times we could potentially be outmatched because you're playing against students that are two to three years older than you, depending on, on that. And, and for, for boys and girls, that can be a physically different, completely different environment altogether. How important does nutrition, um, become now at this age with with student athletes and how important in general is is nutrition when it comes to to student athletes in general so i am not a nutritionist or a dietitian so i can't make any like prescriptions of things but um i love when people ask me for advice because it's something i'm super passionate about i think this age and even like the middle school years through the high school years are like the most important years for developing that proper nutrition and developing the proper like um, strength and conditioning protocol to set yourself up for success, both like um, through excelling with your sport and preventing injury. And I think, especially with the girls sports, the social media part of it and the society part of it, just 
puts a blindfold to how important nutrition actually is if you want to do your best. Um, we, a couple, about a year ago, we had a, we had an interview, we had Nicole Sickle, um, who's one of the, one of my friends who I grew up with. And, and we talked about how she had developed a, an eating disorder um, through, through soccer, through refereeing, and, and because of the pressure that you had to look a certain way. Uh, and you bring up social media, and I think that's a, it's a really big point. Um, do you feel like, do you feel like injuries potentially at times could be, so is there, from an injury perspective, is there a relation to um, being mentally prepared to play a sport and how that, if you're not necessarily always mentally prepared or you're not uh, physically prepared, meaning you haven't eaten the right amount of food and, and drink enough water and things like that, does that lead to, does that lead to potential injuries or are you now, is the percentage or the likelihood now a lot bigger than, than if you were in a different state of mind or if you were eating the, 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 right, the right foods, for example? Um, I, I would say absolutely. Um, the mental part, uh, a lot of the game is mental. I would say 90% mental, 10% physical. Um, if you're not feeling your best, if you think you're going to go into the game losing, if you say like, oh, uh, my like hamstrings a little tight today, like I hope I don't pull it. Um, you're kind of like setting yourself up. It's the same thing as like, um, I, don't, I don't know a good example to, to relate it to, but it's like you're speaking these things into the universe basically, um, from the nutrition point of things. Absolutely. Um, obviously we have muscle cramps is like the number one thing you think of is like they're dehydrated. Um, a lot of the times it can be just because they're fatigued, burnt out or anything, but, um, it is a big, like electrolyte imbalance thing, which comes from not enough water, too much water. Um, the biggest thing I'm seeing right now is not enough food. If you don't have food, your muscles can't do their job. And I don't think that's what, I don't think the athletes understand that so much um, is like, they're like, oh, like I had a sandwich today earlier. Like that's enough to get me through the day. It's enough to play on. Um, but really you're just setting yourself up, um, putting yourself at risk to damage your muscles, ligaments, bones, your mental health, your brain, your brain's pretty much all fat. So you see like fat's bad for you. Don't eat fat. Well, if you're eating, if you're not eating fat, you're kind of destroying your brain in a sense. So, so especially with, with students now playing, so they, they're, they're back in school, which is a different dynamic from potentially what it was a year ago when they were at home and could potentially have more access to being able to grab like a light snack or, or this or that at home. Um, now they're at, they're at school the entire day. And, um, and we know that in general, uh, teenagers for the most part, at least in my experience, don't like to necessarily wake up super early. So the, uh, the least amount of time, the more amount of sleep that they can get in order to, uh, maximize their sleep and minimize how much time they're actually awake, uh, seems to be their, their method of operate or their mode of operation. So basically, can I wake up five minutes before I got to catch the bus or before I have to leave enough, enough to just be able to put my clothes on and just go out the door. So I forget about, I forget about breakfast altogether, or I grab something as I'm walking out or whatever it is. And now I'm at school. And then after school, I go straight into a two hour high school practice, which depending on the school that you're in sometimes could be, um, more straining than other times because 
again, I think a lot of focus is put on the physical side of things. So, uh, I, I, I've, I've seen before that high school athletes tend to run a lot more than potentially maybe needed. Um, and then now you have another sport that you might play from a club right. standpoint. So after your high school practice, you're going straight into your, so your, your food might end up being some sort of pickup, uh, drive through Wawa, Dunkin' Donuts or something on the way or nothing until right. you maybe get home at night. So what, what could be some like light snacks that potentially students could, could take home or, or take to school or, or eat along the way that, that could help them minimize some of these risks? So, um, currently we're, I'm actually dealing with a couple athletes at Odessa who are going through some stuff with food and not nourishing their bodies properly. So I always offer all the athletes. I'm like, tell me your favorite healthy ish snack or bring it in and I'll keep it in my room. That way we have it. If you, if you didn't get to eat, you need to grab it. I need to see you eat something before we go to practice because I don't want to risk you hurting yourself. The biggest thing I would say would be some type of like granola, granola bar, um, I mean, these kids are in high school. They have the higher metabolisms. They have like the ability to process all this stuff. So I'm not going to say they have to eat all organic, all healthy, non-processed, all that stuff. But um, any type of fruit, apple, banana, um, the quick carbs, simple sugars, all that good stuff in there. Um, the dried fruit is good too. Applesauce is one of like the best pre-workout type snacks you can have. Um, really? Try, I would, yeah. Ooh applesauce oh because it's got the sugars in there that give you the energy you need so Um, you might you might see me you might see me with a with a jar of applesauce right before my games (laughs) the go-go squeezes are great coming coming from the the school of coach lou we used to smuggle uh mcdonald's mcchickens on the bus before games i would say not the best (laughs) (laughs) he told us no ham but we would do one person was responsible for putting the McChickens in their soccer bag and smuggling it to the back of the bus past Coach Lou. I don't know if so he ever do, found out. So don't. I, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he did. But I like the applesauce thing. Now I'm gonna. I'm gonna start. All right. So the pouches. You you recommend the pouches of the applesauce? Yeah. All right. Even like my go-to, um, like pre-game snack or pre-practice snack was like either a piece of toast with peanut butter and banana or a peanut butter and banana sandwich. Um. Even peanut butter and jelly is good. I just don't like that personally, but something small but substantial enough to give you the car. It needs to be carbs um, and even a little bit of fats. You want to avoid protein beforehand because it takes longer to digest. So it's going to be sitting in your stomach and actually probably going to make you a little bit more uncomfortable. But um, the carbs and the fats are the biggest important thing. Wish we had this knowledge a couple years ago. <laughs> I didn't. I never ate school lunch in high school, so like, I didn't like school lunch. We practiced at five thirty, had games at seven, so I would had the opportunity to go home and eat, but like I wasn't eating throughout the day, so it probably wasn't. It's probably why I cramped every game. Yeah, every I'm definitely definitely a culprit of that too in high school. I the school lunches just weren't it. I just never packed a lunch. <laughs> Exactly. It wasn't it. We had those goldfish, those big goldfish graham crackers. And that was about, that was about it. Yeah. No, that like, that's hard for sure. I like wasn't starving myself, but it just wasn't good food. Yeah. Just enough to get by. Um, so, and I think, um, I think now, especially where, when, where mental health is, is such a big topic of, of, of discussion, which, and it should be rightfully so. I think it's something that was somewhat, 
overlooked or neglected for a long time. Um, um, how important is your role as an athletic trainer to, to open yourself up potentially for that part of it? Because you do spend a lot of time with the athletes on, on a one-on-one basis when, when they're either recovering from things or they come and see you and you develop a relationship. Um, but how, how important is, how important is that part of it? And then how important is it for, for student athletes to realize that they can go to their athletic trainer to potentially talk about some, some, some of these things? Um, it's definitely super important. We, we didn't learn much about it in undergrad for athletic training but we were taught that like hey we're we're a resource for these mental like the mental health of these athletes and we're that next step to kind of get them connected to the right person um and like i like i said i do have um a very good rapport with most of the athletes at odessa i'm i'm young i feel like they can connect to me um they do feel comfortable coming to me with any mental health or anything like that i have quite a few i'm like working with now um, and trying to get them squared away with that. And I just, I think it's important for them to know that even more so than just mental health too, that as an athletic trainer, we're here for not just taping, not just getting you back to play, but we're here to prevent the injuries. We're here to make sure you're eating. We're here to work through those mental blocks, mental barriers. You had a bad day in school and you just need someone to talk to, but you're about to go to practice. Like you like come to your athletic trainer get it out. Let us know. We'll try and find a way to help. I think a lot of student athletes don't know that we have a lot more knowledge and availability on more than just tape my ankle or rehab my knee. So I think like making them aware of that is huge. And I do think the profession is becoming more centered around like we're also mental health. Well, and I think I think part of it is is remembering that that most athletic trainers, at least my thought is that most athletic trainers played some sort of a sport growing up. Yeah. Either that or or in college, right? So that there's there's yeah. definitely a connection to because I don't I don't I don't really see that there are many athletic trainers that are like, no, I don't like sports. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think that happens quite a bit. I mean, it's a that's a tough that'd be a tough, uh, career to get into if you don't like sports at all. So, um, or I've never played a sport. So, but I think, so I think understanding the fact that, that most athletic trainers have at one point or or one way or another have played a sport at, at various levels, um, I think can, can also help because they've, they've been there before. Um, and they've, and I think that's, that's always the hardest part because you don't, I think at times, um, I think at times going to your coach is always scary, uh, because you're afraid like, well, what if they're going to tell me I shouldn't play or, or I'm not going to be able to play or what if they don't like, and there's a lot of things that, that happen. And ultimately as from us, myself as a coach, I try to tell the players that it's important that they, they communicate and find the person. And if it's not me, then find somebody that, that you can talk to. Whether it's a teammate, whether it's a right. a teacher, an athletic trainer, a counselor, or, or somebody like that, and I think that's I think we're hopefully moving in a, in the in a right direct in the right direction. Um, but I think, as you said, I think there's there's probably a lot more than that can be that can be done. I think there's there's I think more more resources um, probably need to become available to students. Um, um, 
especially as they're going into that middle school into high school ages, because then we expect them to go out into the world and at their, when they're 18 and go to college and figure all this stuff out by themselves. But we just realized that throughout the first four, their four years of high school, they didn't eat properly. Now all of a sudden they're in charge of figuring out their own meals throughout the day. Right. Right. Which, which can and be I very think, difficult. I do think a lot of um, these kids well, at Odessa who either haven't played a sport for not even just at Odessa, but there's not a lot of athletic trainers at the elementary school and middle school levels for those that are playing like youth sports. So I think when they get to the high school, they don't even like last year, no one knew I existed. No one really knew I was there for anything. So I think, um, like you said, more resources to let them know that like, we do have an athletic trainer. They are here for everything from injury prevention, nutrition, performance enhancement, um, rehab, mental health, literally all of the above. And I, yeah. I think like, I want them to come to me for that. I'd rather them come to me for something pre-injury than an injury. Like if it's something we can avoid by eating better or by training a certain way, or by just opening up and getting something out of your head to prevent an injury, I would much rather spend 10, 20 an hour on that than have you come to me with a torn ACL because of something. That's fair. That's a good point. Well, Lydia, we appreciate you coming in today and, and talking to us. Um, I think, uh, I think again, every time we bring in a guest, I always try to, I always learn something new. Um, so I'm going to be stashing a bunch of applesauce in your, <laughs> in your, in your yeah, office. I have uh, a dedicated snack cabinet. So for come spring shout out just, to coach quick shout out to coach dan who already is on the applesauce train with his 2006 boys oh yeah he's on the applesauce train already on the applesauce well, train it's interesting well, I, because when they're losing the kids are eating applesauce you can just see the frustration on your face like dude we're losing and you're eating applesauce so you just see him like freaking out in his head. <laughs> um no, I think I'm going to just stash a bunch of applesauce in like different places and, and just like whenever I'm feeling down, as soon as I get there, I'm just going to start eating out of a jar of applesauce. <laughs> um, it's too bad it has to be refrigerated, but if not, it'll just uh, once you open it, I think you have to refrigerate it. If not, yeah, just jar, jars of applesauce all over. That's the place. why just, the, uh, the pouches are good or the little single serving cups. That's that way true. You don't have to stick them in a I fridge. don't know. There's. There's weird. There's something weird. Like I just enjoy eating applesauce out, out, of, the out jar. of the jar. Out of the jar, yeah. All right. So let's see if see we me... can get me a mini fridge, and you can keep it in there. Ooh. All right, Lydia. Now we're talking. Now we. All right. We will. We will. The girls' soccer program will find you a mini fridge. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much, Lydia. Of course. Thank you, guys. So, doing um, women's national team plays. Paraguay again um, and scores eight goals again uh, against them. Uh, Alex Morgan with a hat trick this time. Ultimately, a good for the women's national team as they're basically on the Carly Lloyd send-off. I mean, they're sending her off in style uh, with a lot of goals being scored. Yeah, um, she came in and also, also got herself a goal, at least, I think. So, yeah, I mean, again, I hope that some of these ticket sales are being allocated to Paraguay um, to help Definitely. them uh, develop their soccer program and their resources, because, again, I hope things are being done for the right reason, because 
sure, we could go pick on any country in the world and go beat them six nothing, nine nothing, twelve nothing, whatever. But we need to make sure these resources are being allocated the right way and that we're helping these other countries ultimately develop for the Women's World Cup in three years, two years, two years. Uh for twenty uh yeah, two years, twenty twenty two, right? Or twenty twenty three, sorry. It is 2021, 2023. Um, so, yeah, I mean, lots of goals being scored, which is good. Uh, seeing that we only got the bronze medal, and we should have gotten gold. So, and it's good to see new names being brought into the picture now to kind of be like the men's, where we're starting to build that player pool to ultimately pick. You know, it's good to pick from 50 who are your best 22 to take to the World Cup. Kyle McCarty with a start and a goal. Yeah, game. that's your player right there, man. That's that's my player right there. So uh so I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that she was able to get the start and the goal. Um so that's exciting. Um in in some less exciting news, um, and you might be able to pull up the article and 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 go through it a little bit more. Uh, because I again I'm in I'm in my car waiting in the parking lot. Um, but so uh some news were were ultimately somewhat of a weird like positive slash like kind of a strange piece of news so this past week the CONCACAF Champions League like the beginning stages of it that started even though we're in towards the end of the CONCACAF Champions League um but uh so the beginning stages of it that started it because there are so many countries very much like the like the like the Euros and the uh in the Champions League, there's a lot of playoffs that happened before. So Olympia, um, Olympia uh, was playing uh, a team from Suriname. And Suriname? The, Suriname? Suriname, I think. All right. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll go with the one. So um, and the vice president of the country, who is 60 years old, um somehow is in the starting 11 for the team and also the captain of the team um which was an interesting set of news and it would have been an, an interesting topic to to somewhat discuss until uh the new reported news that came out recently was that after the game he was handing out cash to the olympia players so he bought his way into the starting lineup bought his way to the captainship but the thing is, he doesn't play for Olympia. Yeah, he bought his way in. Transfer. He fee. plays for the. Like I, I'm not entirely sure why he's paying people off. It's a transfer fee, quote unquote. Why is he? Why is he paying the other team? Don't say anything. Hush money. Politics, man. I mean, Politics. I mean, so. In a world, I, I still don't understand a how these kind of things continue to happen in the world of in the world of soccer. But in a world where where social media and everyone's got a phone, everyone has access to be able to take pictures at any given point of anything. Why you a why is are there no other players in the in the country that like that you can put in a club outside of the sixty year old guy who I'm sure is a is a is was a good player at some point in his life and and great good for you but like maybe move 40 on, years ago <laughs> move on like move on with your life what in the world are you doing that you put that you think like this is the right thing to do well do you know what continent Suriname's on 
I mean, they're playing CONCACAF, so it would have to be it have to be in North America, right? Oh. South America, well, man. Oh, South America. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's in the, it's in the, it's in that like. That but weird. It's weird because they're, 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 yeah, it's weird. They're not part of South America from a like the CONCACAF. They're not part of the Commonwealth. They're part of CONCACAF. But yeah, it's a, it's a country that's somewhat. It's the three or four countries that um, uh, Guyana, Guyana's in that in that group as well too, where they somewhat don't for whatever reason are not really part of South America. Um, from uh, yeah, because it's right next to Brazil, or it's right on top of Brazil, on top of Brazil, yeah. So it's a, it's a again, that's probably a geographical question that we probably don't need to discuss here because I have no idea. So before I say something that I'm not supposed to, um, but but it, again, once like I don't I don't understand why we can't figure things out. But then we wonder why why people act the way they do. Yeah, I mean. There's 500,000 people in the country, right? So you don't really have a big population to choose from a soccer player. So you, maybe they There's need no way. Play. There's no way that, that that's the only guy that could have played. There's no way. I mean, unless you want the next Freddie do, you find a 13-year-old kid that could play. I mean, you might be better off than the 60-year-old <laughs> guy who's trying to bribe the other team. Um, so on the other on the flip side of this, right? So on the on the flip side of the coin, um, Former Real Madrid player Borja Valero. Um, he uh, played played at Inter, uh, had a fantastic career at Fiorentina. Um, is now playing. At one point, he thought about retiring, um, but in thirty six at thirty six years old, he actually decided that he's going to continue to play again. So he is now playing for CS Lebowski in the sixth division of Italy. And the reason why I bring this up, not because I'm a huge Borja Valero fan or anything like that, but um, but he talked. He he had a long, a very long interview about his evolution as a soccer player, and he one of the things he brought up was the fact of how stressful it was at the age of 13 years old to completely um, have to change his way his life was. He he didn't have the ability to have the same childhood and the same thing that other people had. And um, and he had to sacrifice a lot of things, and he had to give up a lot of things. And now looking back at it, he he thinks he probably wouldn't have chosen the same career. Yeah, I mean, you put you, you know mentally, you have to be ready as well, right? We we always look at development and say, hey, you got to be ready developmentally uh, to play at these top teams, to play at these top clubs. <laughs> But I don't think we touch on the mental part because it's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress to put on a kid. Like you look at like Ansu Fati, for example, right? He's what, 19 years old, 18, 19 years old. You know, he's the number 10 for Barcelona. That's a lot of pressure going on to Ansu Fati. So, and actually the perfect example is Bohan Kerchich, where yeah. he was the guy, you know, he was the heir to Messi's throne and Messi was at his peak of his career. You score goals in the Champions League, but you look at if you read his story and see what he did in Spain, like he cracked under pressure trying to play for the Spanish national team. It's it's a lot of pressure. Sure, it's just a game of soccer, but it, it changes when you're in front of a crowd of a hundred thousand or you know eighty thousand people, you know, chanting your name, or you're going into that opposing stadium and the fans don't like you and you know chanting other things at you. So. 
it's a lot of pressure for players to, especially at these young ages, to make these jumps. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a uh, it's it's crazy. Um, it's crazy how much pressure we we put on on players, and and hopefully we're going to get into a position where where these things don't happen um, anymore. Uh, who is your player of the match this week? A player of the match this week. Um, my player of the match this week is actually a club. It's Barcelona. Club. They're finally <laughs> having the guts to put it out to the media that they're thinking about sacking their manager. Because <laughs> they should have sacked him last year. They should have never hired him. And they should have fired him already. It's so, almost like a double double player that matched last fair play because it it'll be the fairest play of all to get rid of Kuman, right? It, it might be my fair play of the week that you know. Thank you for sacking this guy. Like from not playing Ricky Pooch, who by far is the one player who gets the ball in his foot and immediately looks to break lines and go forward. Like there's no yeah. if and or but about it. He's going forward and he's trying to score goals and just mismanaging the whole situation the team last year and all their failures it's all placed on him i don't care about the transfer fees it's coman's fault so my player of the uh player of the week goes to barcelona i mean laporta's finally spoken out about the fact that like if he if he didn't beat Cadiz last night it wasn't that like you could be fired, but at the same time, like his job wasn't on the line because of that game. But there's, there's definitely going to be the conversation now. They lost. To, they lose the Cadiz last year. They tied no, them last year. They they tied them last year. Now they this is the worst uh, record that they've had in history against Cadiz. They haven't been yeah. able to beat him in like six years. I'm like that. It's crazy. And Cadiz is a resort town. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> Like I was, so I was looking at yeah. plane tickets to go out there. Beautiful. There you go. Uh, my player of the match goes to Agustin Rossi. He is the Boca Juniors goalkeeper. Uh, he stopped uh, first PK. Uh, Boca Juniors played a Argentinian Cup match quarterfinals, made it to the semifinals and over and PKs. And Rossi uh, first PK hits the crossbar, but he kind of like. Almost sikes out the, the 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 guy shooting, and the second PK he stops it. So uh, my player of the match goes out to him because he now has a really cool stat. He has stopped over fifty percent of the PKs that has ever that have ever been t- taken. Impressive. Yeah. All right. On this day in history, sub, uh, sub him in. Look, sub him in when you take a PK. There you go. Um, on this day in history, which I think you're going to really enjoy this one because it's. It's right up. It's right up. It's basically the perfect on this day in history for us. Um, so September 24th, 1957. Yeah, September 24th, 1957 was the um, the opening of the Camp Nou at the Barcelona Stadium, the famous Camp Nou. Um, so it was a... Uh, it was. It was really a. Um, it was really a project that had been that had been taken on for for so many years. Um, originally, it was it was believed that the Camp Nou was going to be built because Barcelona had uh, brought in 
uh, a player from Hungary named Laszlo Kubala. And because there was so much hype about this player, they knew that they needed a bigger stadium. Uh, but in reality, um, there was some time before that they expected that they were going to try to build a new stadium. Um, um, it was also believed that Joan Gamper, uh, the, the five-time president of Barcelona, at one point wanted to, to kind of veto the, the project, and that also wasn't, wasn't really true. Um, and the, I think the, the most interesting part about this is the fact that um, the, the, they never could find a name of the, for the stadium. So um, it, it was called the Estadi de Bar, the FC Barcelona in 1965. That was the name of it. But because nobody could really figure out that like that, never, that name really couldn't never stuck um, in 2000 and 2001, the, the fans actually voted because Barcelona is a um, is a fan managed club to a certain extent. There's elections, there's boards, and all that other things. Uh, by sixty eight percent, they actually uh, they they officially changed the name to the Camp Nou, which uh, translates to new ground. So That's interesting. Um, so I'm surprised. Well, luckily, Gerard Piquet wasn't around with his uh, TV company. <laughs> Because you know he would have uh, bought the names, or they would have voted him to the stadium to be named after him. <laughs> the Gerard PK. <laughs> the Gerard. The Gerard. Um, and it's also um, it's also that it's also one of the um, one of the biggest stadiums in the in the world, or or one of the biggest one of the biggest fields in the world. The actual dimensions are by far uh the biggest you can potentially get um by fifa uh, fifa rules uh and the idea is that that exemplifies the the barcelona style playing by using the entire field or using having the ability to use the entire field so there, it's, as, it's as big as it gets so 1957 uh september 24th 1957 the grand opening of the camp new all right fair play of the week uh, my favorite player of the week goes to Romelu Lukaku, who is uh, turning out to be one of my favorite players of all time um, for not only being a fantastic player, but also because now he is taking on, uh, now that he's back in the Premier League, he is taking on a social change cause. So he has now um, urged the social media CEOs and people that run Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and all that other stuff um, to meet with the Premier League and find a way to stop this uh, racial abuse over the internet uh, against Premier League players. Uh, he's urged the CEOs to meet with the Premier League stars and the players that are the top players in the Premier League to try to come up with a solution to make sure that these things are no longer allowed and no longer a norm um, in, the, in the game. So, uh, way to go, uh, Romelu Lukaku. So, uh, Dwayne, um, who is your fair play of the week? My fair play of the week goes to the Delaware Referee Association um, for acknowledging that we have a referee shortage and reaching out to all the clubs to get more referees. Um, we have to do a better job of retaining our referees, and that's the coaches, the fans, the players. All of those entities combined, yep. um, 
just being more respectful to the referees to keep them to stay because no one likes a game without referees. Um, but we all want to yell at the referees. Like we have to understand that if we chase them all away, there will be no referees. So shout out to the Delaware Referee Association for kind of being proactive, trying to find the solution, reaching out to the clubs to get more referees involved so they can cover their games. Fair enough. Yeah, it's a good point. And uh, yeah, let's let's get more referees in the game. That's what we need. So uh, it's extremely important. We can't we can't really play many games without them. So um, I mean, you don't want two coaches fighting over what the score was going to be or if that was a foul or not. One hundred percent sure. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't want that. Um, so make sure you follow us on social media on Facebook.com slash Delaware Union on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer and on Twitter at DE Union Soccer. Uh, wherever you're listening, make sure you subscribe and like the podcast. And once again, thank you for all of you that are listening. Um, I'm supposed to, uh, also, I want to say thank you to my mom and Lila who listened to the podcast on Saturday mornings as they're driving the gymnastics. Uh, so I was, uh, I was made aware, aware once again, that, uh, they are loyal fans. So, uh, I want to make sure that they, uh, they get the recognition, um, if you also want to shout out anybody else, just send us a message on Facebook or on Instagram. Uh, we'd be happy to, to, to shout you out. So uh, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.